everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ, Zach, and Raj. Hey, hey, hey. Hey there. Today we got the Metro Part 2. We're talking the Rangers, the Devils, the Flyers, and the Hurricane. We did Part 1, Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus, New York Islanders. You guys can go back and check that one out. Uh, if you guys want to find us, we're on Twitter, at FHF Hockey. We're on YouTube. We're in the Discord. We're doing Monday mocks, Wednesday mocks, Friday mocks, three mocks a week that you guys can get in on. Let's get right into it, guys. New York Rangers. Uh, they finished 7th, 52, 24, and 6th. They tied with Tampa during the regular season. Power play ranked 4th, 25%, uh, 17th in goals for. Really weird to see, like, 17th in goals for, 4th best power play. Real weird. My biggest question about this team, can they replicate what they did on the power play? Kreider almost broke his career record for goals with just power play goals. He shot 40% on the power play. A lot of the top power play guys saw, you know, better totals than ever before. I don't know. What, what, what is your takeaway from the Rangers season here? No, they can't. Well, no, he can't replicate getting 50 goals again. I, I don't see that happening. I will say I his, one, it was his, happening. his one silver lining is the fact that for the first time in his career, he had attempted over 400 shots with a, you know, 15%, we'll say plus or, you know, give or take career shooting percentage. And in the past two years, he has a combined 19.8. That's a 19.6 and a 20 last year. So in two years, he has a, you know, combined pretty much 20% shooting average. That's pretty fantastic, but I don't see the 50 goals happening again. One thing I do like, though, is we've talked about them doing things the right way. They really built this team with drafting and kind of added players along the line. That is going to rear its beautiful head in the fact that they're young guys who are in their third, fourth year. You know, you have a 24-year-old Adam Fox. They're they're young. You know what I mean? So that team is building, you know, themselves up and they're all growing together, which makes me think that, yes, the power play can continue to be fantastic. But your thing about Chris Kreider, no, I don't see the 50 goals happening again. He's a good player, but I think that was... That was Pete Kreider for sure. And I think as you see the, um, you know, guys like Lafreniere and Kako and, and the rest of them, maybe even Trocek starting to, it's hard to say a guy who just scored 50 goals isn't that good of a player. But I, for some reason, you know, I think 35 to 40 is more like realistic to me. Maybe not this year, but I do think even by the end of this year, he's going to start losing opportunity to some of these other players. And you know, I, I no way he hits 50. I, I would put all the money against 50, that's for sure. But I think more so, I think 35 kind of range personally. I mean, his shot volume went up like crazy. I mean, we'll dive into Kreider a little bit later, but uh, this is a brand new team. They lost Andrew Kopp. They lost Frank Vetrano to free agency. Kopp in Detroit, Vetrano in uh, Anaheim. So is Ryan Strom, uh, Alexander Georgiev, now with the Colorado Avalanche, but they did bring in Vince Trocek and Yaroslav Halak. Uh, main fantasy targets. Uh, Artemi Panarin, man. This is my my number one target from this team over the last three years. And I've said this time and time again, and I don't want to be confused, but uh, over the last three years, Panarin's point-per-game rate is 1.34 points per game. Nathan McKinnon's, 1.35. So that's 0.01 difference between McKinnon and Panarin. Now, McKinnon, he scores more goals, like five more a season over this span, six assists less, 1.3 more power play points. And, like, obviously, McKinnon shoots 
the lights out on Panarin, almost double, four four and a half shots a game to two point six. So I mean, I'm not trying to say that Panarin should be in the top five of drafting. It's just it's so clear when you get into that second round to get the same offensive production from Panarin that you can get out of McKinnon. Now, obviously, you're not getting the shots because it almost feels like McKinnon has this extra ceiling that we haven't seen yet. But um, I, I mean, for pure point volume, Panarin in the second round, he's one of my biggest targets this year for the second round. I mean, he gives you like McKinnon scoring. Cats leagues, yeah, there's the, Panarin's not doing shit, so I could see, you know, fading him there. But uh, Panarin's good. He's real good. 105 point pace this year too and that power play that we talked about he was a big part of it he had 37 points of the power play this past season i mean that's pretty pretty fantastic but i'll agree with you on the uh the catch you ain't getting shit for hits and blocks from panarin yeah he's pretty pretty reliable uh in points leagues but yeah everything else kind of sucks like in points leagues, like for, I'm looking at our uh, five hole leagues right now, and he fi- he finished 20 fan points behind Kreider because Kreider Kreider had not had a great season, but he also has the right kind of stats too, right? Loaded up on goals and tons of hits and quite a few shots. Whereas Panarin, kind of even when he has the great season, I mean, he had you know over a hundred point pace, and he still didn't beat Kreider you know that's that's the only problem is there's definitely a ceiling it's not like he's gonna all of a sudden add 100 shots or all of a sudden add 80 hits to his arsenal so he's great but he's not quite elite and I don't think he can be just because of that fact just fantasy wise if he catches a break you know shooting percentage wise and scores 30 plus I could see him uh, you know breaking into that that tier one tier two category as far as like fantasy players but uh when you, when 74 of your 96 points are assists and you're in points leagues goals obviously weighted higher it's going to be tough even i mean he only he only missed 7 games but when you're over a point per game player that's 7 games is 8 or 9 maybe 10 points so even missing a few games to get into that super elite tier that that really matters and that's i mean you could McKinnon's had that problem last year tenfold but Zach i know you're a huge Ryan Strom fan how do you think the chemistry is going to affect Panarin, you know, swapping to Vincent Trocheck now. And he had played with Ryan Strom for so for a long time, many yeah. years. Like they really were very good together. I like this a lot, obviously, for Vincent Trocheck. Now you have the only thing I'm a little worried about is if they decide to stack that top line. Otherwise, it's great for uh, great for Trocheck. But obviously, you have to be worried about the chemistry. I mean, he played with the same center for. How many years? Uh, quite a few. Now, if you had to rank, pick between one of the two, do you like Strom? Do you like Trocheck skill wise? Maybe not fantasy wise. Like, who do you think is a better hockey player? I would rather have Trocheck on my team. Trocheck. Yeah, I, I would also rather have Trocheck on my team. I mean, he's fantastic at faceoffs, which is really going to help out Panarin. He's a better defensive center, I would say, than Strom. So, I mean, you're you're losing that offensive ability with Strom and not that Vincent Trocheck doesn't have offense just think Ryan Strom's might have been a little bit better but as far as all-around player it's 100% Trocheck we had a what 61 point pace from Ryan Strom this year and you're not wrong about the face-offs and I also think Trocheck is more of like a, a puck battle guy I think he'll get in there he'll you know Gritty. win those pucks back and keep the it's keep the great. puck in the zone so that's going to be good next up we got to talk about Mika Zibanejad 
you know, heralded as this category coverage stud. But if you look at his stats, man, he hasn't really hit over a hit a game. Like, what did he do? It mm. two out of the last three years, he's been under a hit a game. So I just should we be? And I, I wanted to go this. You know, if you have the puck, you're not hitting. But then you look at Kreider's stats. Kreider's on the same line, and he had more hits than last year. So I can't even use that like puck possession. You know, destroys hits unless Zibanejad's the one carrying the puck all the time. You know, should we still be considering Zibanejad as this multi-cap monster? He his hits have been under a hit a game two out of the last three years. Uh, you know, the 108 point season, he saw his best time on ice and shots. Uh, since then, he's down two minutes of ice time and almost a full shot a game. Like, should we still be having this narrative around me because of Benajad? And I'm not at all trying to say he's a bad player or worse or anything. I'm not either, but I'm glad you brought this up. I was actually really torn. It's like Miz- uh, Mika Zibanejad is supposed to go in this spot. Like, this is the Zibanejad spot. Number two on that team. He would be the next person you want to draft in that situation. But if you look at it, he's only had 100, you know, or one 100-point pace year. In his entire career. And when I looked at that, I was actually surprised. I actually have Adam Fox as number two. Do you? I do. Hmm. Because I think... Yeah, I think, I think there that, could be an argument for that. I think that a 70-point defenseman that does as much as he does, covers the, the categories. Now, he had zero power play goals, but he had 33 fucking power play assists. The whole thing about Adam Fox is literally everything offensive runs through Adam Fox. He is consistently touching the puck, distributing it accordingly. And, you know, he may not be the best offensive player, but he does have a good shot. And he's flat out the most important offensive player. He's not the most gifted, but the most important offensive player. That power play and team is completely different with him off the ice. Raj, where are you at with uh, Zibanejad versus Fox? Well, I, I think it's a case of value really i think well it's it's a complicated question I, I think strictly by the numbers i agree with zach i would rather have adam Huzzah. fox whose point Huzzah. his pace is not really that much below zibanejad's last year right it was quite close for obviously that on a defenseman is much more impressive much more valuable is the word <laughs> much more valuable but when you start looking at the adps of these two guys and what's probably going to happen people value Fox a lot higher. So that could be the issue. If people are hot on Fox, because, you know, especially huge point getting young defensemen like that are rightfully overvalued and the people have faded on Zabinajad. It could go, you know, people could overanalyze Zabinajad falling off a bit while Fox is, is great. But I think just strictly on value, Fox is more valuable of a player if you get them at their strictly value base i'm with you guys i think fox probably gets drafted earlier so if we're going like you know ranking as far as adp fox is ahead i think the ceiling is still there with sabinajad the hits can come back you know the shots can easily come back i don't know if those minutes come back just because as new york becomes a more well-rounded team you don't need a lot like you don't need to rely on that top line as much so you know the minutes start to divvy up a little bit more adam fox man easily Tier one defenseman, Raj. Before you get mad, I said tiers. Just think of it like you know he's a D one, right? So he's he's one of the top twelve D in the league. If everybody drafts a D, everybody has a D one. 
And I think I think that's where he is. You know, 78-point pace. It's crazy. Fourth in the league in points and power play points from a defenseman. Not much for hits. He blocks really well. Chugs minutes. The deployment is not in question. Adam Fox is really comfy pick. I think he's probably, for sure. what, top... I don't know if I want to say top three, but probably one of the top five. Like, easily one of the top five defensemen. He's to go. easily one of the top five defensemen. I think our drafts have been like McCarr... Yeah. Fox Yossi, comes in Hedman. pretty close. Yossi's there. Hedman too, yeah. yeah. And then Carlson, I think that pretty much rounds out your top five, those those guys there. All right, Chris E before I Kreider. It's it's hard to think about drafting him where he wound up this year. It's what, what did you say? He was twenty fourth ranked in our leagues? Uh yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he's a top two round pick. Actually, I do know. He's not a top two round pick. Like in our mock drafts this year, I've noticed Kreider hangs out for a long time. It's almost like a like a waiting game. Everybody's keen and they know that, uh, you know, it was a unsustainable year and that regression is probably on the way. So if you can outweigh your competition and get Kreider, like where would you guys be comfortable taking Kreider right now? Like obviously he's overvalued. His projections are going to follow suit, but <laughs> I, I feel like we can't do this without projecting this guy for exactly what we think he's going to do. Oh. <laughs> I He's the kind of player who I will not, even really think about because there's no way in hell I'm going to value him. It's on your do not draft list. People. It just simply because I know, I guarantee you out of 12 people in any draft, there's someone who wants some... somebody else is going to value him higher. Yeah. And draft him before you're willing to. I mean, it gone are the days definitely of getting him in like the 14th round and sneaking in some good hits and, and decent points. Now, like obviously he's a full, full fledged 50 goal. 250 shots, almost 150 hit guy. So someone's going to take him way before I want him. TJ, I got him at a crazy steal last year. I forgot where I drafted him. I feel him like last everybody year. did. Every Everybody who had him did. Like he was just one of those league winners. Uh, him and Kadri, you had both those guys. It was good, good late draft for you. When I'm looking at his surface stats, we talked about his 20% shooting percentage. And you look at that, it's not far off. His career is 15. So you're like, okay. Maybe this is, you know, maybe he can do it again. Maybe he can come close. But then you get into the micro stats of it. Power play shooting percentage where 26 power play goals came from. Uh, his career high all strengths was 28 before this. I can't say that enough. He was shooting 39% on the power play. That's going to come down. Mm-hmm. He does play net front. So, like, I don't know how much I can write off about the high shooting percentage. He kind of lives in that high danger area. And it also makes you think, like, where does Trocek fit in? On the power play, Trocek's been been net front. Um, I did some digging on hockey viz, and I was looking into where Trocek took his shots on the power play, and where uh, Ryan Strom took their shots on the power play. Trocek back in seventeen eighteen, his heat map looks almost identical to what Ryan Strom is. So I'm convinced Vincent Trocek plays on the right in the right circle on the power play. You're not taking Kreider and his 28 power, no. 26 power play goals off the net front. You're just not doing it. Well, I yeah. mean that that that's kind of spells even a little more more chance for for what we fear, really, right? Like, what if if him and Kreider are the same power play player? Does Trocheck become that guy on PP two with Kako and Lafreniere and and have a you know a solid net front presence for those young players to work around? Well, the, the thing is, hurts. Lafreniere plays net front. 
and that's that's his thing true so true maybe he's the power play two guy and maybe that's more of a reason not to keep him on power play one or not I to also move think him that, to power play that's one that's heedle's spot like that's heedle's power play yeah i think um lafreniere is not so hot on the power play heedle needs some time yet and you know 3c that's going to be a whole another hurdle that he has to jump but uh that's what why I do he, like that's why i that, think he's the second power play no, I agree. Yeah, totally agree. Because uh, both I mean, those we, tops... we both have Vincent Trocek up on that first power play. Mika Zibanejad certainly isn't going anywhere. You need a you need that three C on the on the second power play. So I a hundred percent have Heat on the second power play. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, both those top six right wing spots are open. So I think Kako and and Lafreniere are probably full those. So I think there's going to be good value with those guys. Uh, I had Trocek inside my main targets here, and then I had Truba, just because you know for for cats leagues, man, that guy bangs. We talked we talked about Trocek a little bit here. I don't know if you guys want to get into it. Uh, Trocek, you know, if he's power play two, he's kind of a fifty point guy. If he gets power play one, he can be seventy points. He's one of those cut and dried kind of, you know, that's what he is. Uh, this was a weird year for him in in Carolina. Didn't hit sixty points. You know, I, I really think Trocek and Panarin. That can work. It really is going to matter who he's playing with, though. Oh, yeah. It really makes a difference. Like, if he is playing with a Panarin, then I'm super high on Vincent Trocek. If he's not, it's middle of the road. Well, yeah, if he's 3C, I mean, it's that's that's nothing. Then we're talking about Heedle here. Or even if they uh, stack that top line and he's oh, playing yeah, with, Panarin you know, up there. Yeah, and he's playing Caco with and a Kreider and Capo Caco. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't love that line nearly as much. Yeah. No. I mean, so far in our in our mock drafts anyways, I've been finding Trocheck super late. So it seems like like that that is a risk I'm willing to take for sure. Getting him in like the 14th, 15th round where it, I took know, him like, the other night. Kreider used to be. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, the low side of Trocheck isn't very low. Right, the this the floor is is decent. So it's if he is faded like that, then then absolutely, I'm still going for Trocheck. I think if you're in double digit rounds, like the worst case scenario is you get value for your pick. Like you don't lose value. There's no bust factor there. There's no you know worst case scenario. He doesn't break out again for the third time in his fucking career. Weirdo. My streamers are like Kako Lafreniere. I really like Keandre Miller as kind of like a mini Truba. Uh, the hits and blocks, <laughs> Zach. It seems you agree with me there. You're stealing my fucking guy, man. You're you're poaching you're poaching my kid. Have at it. I, T- tell I, me about I him. also had Lafreniere, obviously, and and Capo Caco. I think they're both prime for a breakout. But dude, I, I think people are sleeping on Keontre Miller, and that and that's fine. I I don't even know that he's draftable. But I'll I'll say this, and this is what I love about Keontre Miller. He took a huge jump from his first to his second year when it comes to simple things like passes leading out of the defensive zone. Watch and 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 we're gonna go kind of go through this with why you know uh, Jack Hughes had a breakout. We'll go over that in a little bit. But this is kind of what I see with Keandre Miller. I think that he is going to continue to grow. He has a super long reach, a great stick that helps him break up plays in his own zone. And I just like the way his game is maturing, and I think that he's trending in the super right direction. So my whole thing is just keep watching Keandre Miller. You can watch him yeah. get better. 
those peripherals are fantastic. You're getting like almost two hits a game over a block a game. Uh, in his rookie year, it was like a block and a half a game. So I, I think the ceiling for his periphery is pretty high to the fact where, you know, this is a guy that you're prioritizing on the waiver wire if you're down in peripherals. Yeah, he's he's good. But I mean, you look look at other guys, there's there's. You know, four people with more hits than him just on the Rangers. So if I'm streaming, how many are you going to be able to pick up, though? That, that's true. Uh, f- yeah, Ryan Reeves, Dryden Hunt, you know, oh, yeah, Barkley Goodrow, right. all these. What guys I'm getting are, at though, Ryan, hitting, is so... Keandre Miller. I think is going to continue to play a bigger role year after year. Keandre Miller is that kind of player. His time yeah. on ice went down by a minute, and all of his rate stats went up. What does that tell you? That the it tells me that he gets about one fantasy point per game, and it's probably it tells not you that change. he's literally yeah. getting he's better. A, that's a how, solid defensive that's how you def- figure out defenseman gonna, isn't high on my uh, priorities. That's how you figure out who is going to break out. It, that kind of shit matters. You look at that kind of stuff. You as things trend over years, and you say, okay, this is the time that he, you know, be ready to jump on this. I think what what's important to say nah. too is you said one fantasy point a game. I'm not interested in Keandre Miller in points leagues, cats leagues, hits and blocks. I'll take it. You know, if there's a weekend where the Rangers have two games on a Friday Sunday, I'm in. He's going to be on my list. I'm going to talk about him. He's going to be one of those guys that I'm picking up if I'm if I'm down in hits and blocks. Way too much time yeah. on Keandre Miller here, but uh, Kako, you know, just signed a uh, <laughs> just signed a bridge deal. He's into the prove-it stage, you know, solid kind of end of the year, you know, not blowing the doors down, but not bad. He had four points in his final six after coming back. Then he had five playoff points in like 19 games or something. We can all hope that the breakout's going to happen. One of those top right-wing spots are we going to, you know, those are going to be open. This is Benedict Kreider or Panarin Trocek. So I think both him and Lafreniere are going to have that exposure bonus. Lafreniere, one overall pedigree, one overall pressure. 20 points in his last 38 games. That's a 43-point pace. Nine points in 20 playoff games. You know, Vetrano and Copper gone. So I, I want to see what he does in the top six role. That's the most important thing here. He's on my watch list to start the season, but I'm not drafting him. You could take him as a late-round flyer, but uh, I don't know. Unless Half point per game Kravtsov last year. comes in and shocks the fucking world. Yeah, Kravtsov on that one-way contract. The only way he goes to the AHL is by being waived, and I don't think they do that. So I think Kravtsov plays a full year. Huzzah. Probably bottom six, but uh, that's that. Philip Hedl, do you guys buy into that? Uh, there was a pretty loud recency bias with him. He was scoring goals left and right in the playoffs, and you know, it happened in rapid succession. The dude's got some hype. Uh, do you buy any of it? Like Tusi is, is not there for him anymore, so it's just it's real... What's the upside? It would have been huge for Heedle to have that two C. Not yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is totally going to change his year because he would have been playing alongside Panarin, and now he's on that third line. And and don't get me wrong, the third line is not you know it's not a bad line. They are actually a very deep team, but I mean it's not like he is elite scoring like Panarin next to him. Instead, you're looking at like a Barkley Goudreau. And unless he shifts to wing like Trocek signed long-term, Spanajad's your 1C. That's capped ceiling if I ever saw one. So the weight, you know, if we're talking dynasty here, it's uh, the weight's long unless he shifts to wing or gets traded or something. Like, I don't know, but uh, that sucks. There was some there was some promise there. Goaltending, Shesterkin, 
we've seen him go one overall, not one overall, but like, you know, the first goalie off the board in our mock drafts over Vasilevsky. What do you think about that? I think that's ballsy. I think that ballsy. Vasilevsky is still the is still the best goalie in the world. But what you're banking on, because we all know that Igor Shesterkin is fantastic. He's really, really good. Deserves to be in the conversation to be the, the first goalie taken. But you know what you have in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, they're a proven commodity. You don't know what they're going to do. They this, this could not work out. You look on paper and say, hey, this is a really good team that made it uh, that made it pretty far last year. They're bringing back a lot of the same people, especially their core. But you don't know. I feel like, you know, Lightning are way more proven. Three straight finals. You know, they went to three straight Stanley Cup finals. You know, whether or not the New York Rangers were tied with them in the regular season, I still have more confidence in a in a Tampa than I do the Rangers. Like, I think the Rangers are going to be good. Goalies are crazy volatile. Like, you know, Igor won a Vezina, but so did Bobrovsky. And then Bobrovsky <laughs> just disappeared, you know? So what it's a just, mean thing to say. I am not trying to say that Shesterkin's going to fall off a cliff. Like, I, I have confidence in him. And with, like, Halak behind him, I think it absolutely assures that you're going to have volume. Um, so I think he's going to be in the Vezina conversation again next year. But it's goalies, so what do you know? Yeah, it's a, it's another case. I think they're really close. Shisterk and, and Vazzy are both going to play all the games. Rangers are going to get way more wins, I think, overall, and I think they're going to be super close. Vazzy's probably safer on the wins, but an- another case of where, like, I just don't. I'm not even thinking about them because I guarantee you they're both going higher than I'm going to be taking goalies right now. <clears throat> they have uh, been going just right around the end of the second, start of the third for for both of them. Right at like, what are they at here? 25 overall, 27 overall, and Saros at 28. So there's a little mini goalie run right there. Top three right uh, there, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, and it's funny because I just think as amazing as Soros was last year, I I find it hard to believe that that I'm taking Soros in like round two. It just doesn't feel right. Hard to do. Uh, I like a lot of this team. Like I really like Sabanajad. You know, I miss those hits. I like Panarin a lot. The the points are great. Fox is awesome. Uh, you know, they have a lot of really high round picks for us in fantasy. So this is a it's an important team. And I think they're going to be good again next year. Their prospects, Dylan Grand, Zach Jones, um, Brennan Othman, Braden Schneider, uh, Laurie Pojniemi. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about how, if anybody that's familiar with like the NHL ranking app knows Laurie Pojniemi, but I feel like it's been taken too long. Uh, you know, really highly regarded. I'm starting to get worried. I think he's good to trade. You know, people like his name. All right, what do you think? New Jersey Devils? Devils. Devils. All right, they uh, they the finished Devils. the 28th, 27, 46, and 9, 19th in goals 4. Power play was ranked 28th. They've added Vitek Vanacek, Andre Palat, Eric Halla, John Marino. They lost Ty Smith, and they have waited out P.K. Subban. You know, they're, they're slowly <laughs> getting better, but uh, by how much? And, and, you know, one of my biggest questions about the Devils is does – Dougie Hamilton take power play one. You know, he was dealing with injury last year, so that could have, you know, dampened his chances from the start. Then Severson just ran away with it. There was no reason to take him off of it. 
But with a new year, you could kind of get a reset. Dougie could get that opportunity out of the gate. And if Dougie runs with it healthy, you know, maybe he gets it. And I think that's really important to talk about when we get to Dougie Hamilton. Jesper Bratt, huge question mark here. He, you know, he's he's an RFA. His arbitration hearing is on August 3rd. So we're like five days away from this. It's going to be important because if if they sign beforehand, obviously Jesper Bratt has agreed to the terms. But if you go to an arbiter, then he's signing a contract that he's not happy with. Does he go into the next year unmotivated or like kind of just deflated, you know? No, I wouldn't think so because that way he wants to stick it to him so he can go somewhere else and make money. That sucks. I don't want him to go. I don't think he will. I think he'll. When you first started talking about New Jersey, not that I wasn't listening to you, but for some reason, I'd never thought about this before. And I don't know what the answer is. But if there's a New Jersey, where is where's old Jersey? It's got to be in England. No, New England. (laughs) New Mexico. There's got to be a jersey somewhere. There's, yeah, I agree. There's got to be a jersey somewhere, but jersey. I just wonder where old Jersey is, and I wonder if they're also douchebags there as well. <laughs> I was born in Jersey. I stick with my original statement. Yeah, case in point there. Uh, all right, main fantasy targets. It's got to be Jack, Jack Hughes. Hughes. Um, his season was derailed by that knee injury, but was, what was he at? 94-point pace this yeah, year. 94-point pace. Huge, huge uptick in shot volume, shooting percentage. You know, his last two years, previous two years, coming into the league, you know, what was it? It was like 5% and 7%, and he finally had like a real shooting percentage this year and scored 26 goals as a result in 49 games. So we might have seen a 40-goal Jack Hughes, you know, if everything would have followed his start to the year. I think point per game is right there. Do you guys think he hits 100 points this year? I think he's going to hit 100 points at some point, but uh, yeah, you know, do you think 90, it's now? 86 to 90 is my prediction for Hughes. Somewhere around 86 to 90. I love Jack Hughes, and I want to say yes, but I don't know that I don't know that the Devils are there yet to sustain a hundred point player. So I don't know that this year is the year. But I think this past year was, you know, his pseudo breakout. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everybody that's like been listening out party. to us for the past couple of years, I've been talking about Jack Hughes for a long time. This is another one of those things where, just like Keandre Miller, you had to watch. No, it's not like Keandre Miller. Keandre Miller is not a number one overall pick. Or no, what I'm saying year. is you watched the growth. Jack Hughes's first year, he was getting pushed around. He was getting, you know, he was getting moved off the puck. Don't give me, don't roll your fucking eyes at me, Raj. <laughs> You're not, you can't don't. justify Keandre Miller's All, as I'm, with fucking Jack the, Hughes. The point Jack I'm Hughes trying is to awesome, make is and we knew he was going to wa- be awesome. You can watch the, you can watch it happen. You can. I think he's defending the methodology here. I am defending the methodology. Well, you can't just say we'll just wait. Wait for players like we did know Jack Hughes. I'm glad that Raj cut out just now. Awesome. Yeah, Zoom Zoom didn't even want to hear. Yeah, I'm point. glad that your your voice just cut out there, <laughs> so I didn't even have to hear the end of your argument. If you watched Jack Hughes in the past couple of years, not only did you see him grow in like 
literal physical size, but also the way his game played. So you were able to tell that he was going to have a really good year last year, and I think that's going to continue. I think a lot of guys on New Jersey had career years this year. Jesper Bratt, um, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, obviously. It, it feels like it was an unsustainable year for them. And that's what it was. It's like everybody broke out. <laughs> everybody. Jesper Bratt broke out. Uh, Nico Heischer broke out a little bit extra. Jack Hughes certainly did. You know, there was... What was nice is that Jesper Bratt continued after Jack Hughes went down. So there was, there's a little bit there that, that makes you think, okay, you know, Jesper Bratt's fine on his own. Who do you got as the number two target here? Oh, it's got to be Dougie. I don't know. Could be. I, I, I actually have Nico Hughes. I had Palat. You know what? I had Palat to start, but the more I look at things, the more I think that this whole Palat thing may not work. It could just be a Thomas Tatar 2.0. That's what it could be. And, and I mean, really, like, what is Andre Palat? He's a 50 to 60 point player mm-hmm. with 15 to 20 goals. And, you know, he's going from Tampa's top line to New Jersey's top line. And, yeah, it might not be that bad of a thing here. Like, he was he was playing with two stars, you know, similar to what we were talking about with Huberto and Kachuk. Like, Kachuk had Gaudreau and Lindholm, and now Kachuk's just got Barkov. That's kind of what we're seeing here with with Palat too, and we got to see if he meshes with Hughes. Maybe Alexander Holtz comes in, impresses in camp, comes right out as the the top line right wing. So like that that could be a thing. But I think there is seniority, there's rapport with Andre Palat, so he'll probably get top line right wing right out of the gate. But uh, you know, Braden Point and um, Steven Stamkos are a little they're a cut above Jack Hughes and Jesper Pratt as a whole. Uh, I'd like to see him get at the opportunity, but I think there's there's a case for Nico Heischer. There's definitely a case for you know Dougie if he gets top power play again. So it starts to get real gray in this area here. I think there's even a case for Jesper Pratt. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I do think like Jack Hughes is obviously in a class by himself on this on this team. I mean, a tier maybe you would say. <laughs> and then uh, okay, if you want to make everybody have their own little. Tier he's tier one. Uh, Raj is about he's to the best up. player on their team. It froze. Look at his face. <laughs> he was rolling his eyes in the Zoom. <laughs> it was just oh it was perfectly God. embodied what he's thinking right now. <laughs> yeah. No. There's you have Jack Hughes as the only real draftable player. I think the rest are, are maybe, but they're all a bunch of maybe still well i mean um, dougie's draftable is definitely, is definitely gonna get that's draft. a lot of ifs though that's the only problem i think dougie does have like the next best upside yes but it's what is the power play gonna be they were a bottom five power play in the league last year and that's that's you know that's your thing dougie you know what i mean and you're coming into a you know a bottom five power play team where where is he gonna get those points from because that's what he's you know that's what he's known for well, even in his 70-point campaign, he had 12 power play points. So I think there's, you know, he had 40 points in 47 games. So, you know, obviously you got to pace things out. But 18 power play points in 55 games with a 63-point pace, he's not relying on the power play too much. And he had seven this year. And I think maybe he can hit 15. Rising tide floats all boats. That power play gets a little bit better. Jack Hughes should be there for a full year. Andre Plot scores goals. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if they'll be bottom five. I, they're certainly not going to be top five. But if Dougie gets that, I think, you know, we could talk about 50 points. We can talk about 55 again. I don't think we're getting 60, 70. You know, it's not Carolina with Aho and Teravainen and Svechnikov. But uh, Jack Hughes is good. Nico Heischer, I think he's like a, he reminds me a lot of like Bo Horvat. He just feels like New Jersey's Bo Horvat. Sturdy, he's good at face-offs, put up 70 points this year. All the stats look pretty good, sustainable-like, and just feels like a bow. Yeah, yeah, 60 points, I think, wasn't it? 70-point pace is what I, I always go by pace. Oh, pace, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's very similar to Horvat, similar ceiling. I just don't think he'll ever be a, a great player, but he's always going to be a very good player. And I think that, that 60 to 70-point pace is probably... Couturier reliable, you know, Bo Horvat, sort of that non-elite but really good center if you if you need that. Um, sometimes you do. Jesper Bratt here, you know, if he does resign, I think he's gonna be good. If we're if you know, if we proceed like he resigns and that he's happy with his contract, he does 79 point pace last year. You know, he had a 53 point pace the year before, saw an extra minute and a half average time on ice, saw an increase in power play usage. You know, tallied 18 power play points this year, scored 26 goals, which is pretty impressive, and shot over two and a half times a game. He's still two minutes short of Jack Hughes' time on ice, so I think there is there's more ice time to be had. Uh, do you think he's got another 70 points in him? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'll raise my hand. Yeah, I think I think he could do it. I do. He's gonna make a name for himself. Uh, there's, you know, times watching some of their games last year where even on, you know, while Jack Hughes was out there, it was Jesper Bratt that looked like the best player on the good. ice. He reminds me, like, I get Kevin Fiala vibes from him. He's a hard worker. Like, I want that sh those shots, shots to go up, and I think uh, maybe that's the ceiling. Tons of streamers on this team. Like, we, you know, we talk about Dawson Mercer a lot last year. Damon Severson, obviously, if he keeps power play one, it's easy to move him from streamer level to rosterable. Uh, Sharon Govich, you know, he's he's been a useful streamer. Uh, they brought in Eric Halla. Is it safe to just plug him in at 3C and forget about him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think he's, that's it. I don't like Eric Halla. But. Tomas Tatar. Yeah. He's, uh, he's kind of toast. I think he's toast. Uh, goalies, this gets pretty interesting. Vitek Vanacek, Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, to me, this one screams tandem. Like, I think both these guys just split. To me, it just screams undraftable in every sense of the That's word. That's tough. You know, like, I, you know, ha ha half of a, you know, what, 17th place team. They're awesome, and we all love New Jersey right now. And we like we there's a we like the team, but you know don't let that get you too excited about like how excited are we about Vitek Vanacek being fifty percent of Washington? You know, so true. Not true not, enough. Yeah, you could pick him up off the in. waiver while he was playing for Washington. So yeah, it's probably where he'll be again. I think streamer level. Just another year of the New Jersey Devil doing the same, trotting out the same middling bullshit as they always do in goal. Well, what's nice about Vanacek is he's young, and I think that's important for New Jersey is to like get two young goalies to to ride. You know, they're they're building a core, they want to find a family oh. and uh and move with it cuz they don't they don't really have. I mean, they got like Nico Dawes, but uh you know, they don't really have like a clear-cut 
goalie of the future. So having two young ones pushes the kid, the, you know, kicks the can down the street a little bit, but their prospects look good. They drafted uh, Simone Nemich. They have Luke Hughes, both capable of running a power play of the future. Alexander Holtz, hopefully we see him this year. And Nico Dawes, like I was talking about, uh, you know, they have a ton more uh, relevant names, but that's what I got. All right, Philly. Well, well. Philly. Well. Uh, they finished 29th. They somehow eked out 25 wins, uh, 46 losses, TJ, and you're breaking ties. up. I can't hear you. Uh, 31st in goals for. TJ, you're breaking up. Uh, we should probably maybe just skip forward. Clear as day. It's coming through. Power play was uh, DFL. Dead oh. fucking last. Questions surrounding the teams, like, uh, you know, <laughs> Tortorella, man. New coach. All does, the questions. How does he shake things up? He already, like, I... We all originally thought that him and, and D'Angelo were going to butt heads, but Torts has already come out uh, defending the guy. Like, you know, uh, of course he makes stupid decisions. Anybody that doesn't make stupid decisions, I don't want them on my team, which is weird. <laughs> it was a really weird quote. <laughs> like, you just want a bunch of frittatas <laughs> on your fucking team. <laughs> That's a Torts compliment. Um, uh. You know, so how does Torts change the dynamic? Does he bring that defensive mindset? Does that help Carter Hart bring himself back into relevance uh, does a healthy Couturier and Hayes make this a competitive team? Do we ever see Ryan Ellis play hockey? There's a lot of questions here. Does literally everyone on the team bounce back? So there's uh, there's quite a bit of questions. If we had to pick a number one target, who's it going to be? It's probably going to be the only guy, maybe two guys, three guys we're drafting, maybe. Deep enough Couturier's got to be. It's got to be Coots. Couturier's got to be. Coots is a clear-cut number one target. And then yeah. everybody else is actually no, I would say yeah I guess so Jesus yeah I guess everyone is in a similar crap ass tier after Katerie, and that's because he's legit the best player on the team. I'm giving Konechny another shot this year. I have a feeling Torts is gonna like him. That is boomer bust. Like that could yeah. it could it could go. It's either that two or he's ways. gonna be a healthy scratch. You know. 82 games I've, of the season, yeah. I've said the same thing like three out of the last four years. I'm just playing the odds here Some, someday. <laughs> <laughs> Except for his 70-point year, I didn't say that. Every other Why do you year, keep calling it, Stop calling it, and he'll be good again. Uh, I like Atkinson, man. You know, Atkinson and Torts, they get along well. You know, they played together in, in Columbus, and Atkinson's obviously really happy that Tortorella's back. Somebody's got to shoot on this team. Atkinson could be that guy. I think, you know, penciling him in for power play one, line one, it's not hard considering his relationship with Tortorella. I think he's good for, you know, 55 points, 25 goals. He usually shoots somewhere in like two and a half to three range. He could be useful on the bottom of a roster. I think Atkinson might be a second draftable player here. Yeah, I wrote down here, it turns out uh, Cam Atkinson is John Tortorella's son. Hmm. So he's going to get the puck a lot just because John Tortorella loves him. Tony D is yeah. is draftable in my books. Um, well, we talked about it. They had know. the worst power play in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we want the power play quarterback for the worst power play? You know, they might be a little bit better next year, but, like, there's no Giroux on this power play. And that, that was there's one not. thing that worries me a lot for you know going back to Couturier here you know last time the the Flyers were a train wreck which funny enough wasn't too long ago uh Couturier <laughs> kept <laughs> his point time. paces the same like everybody else 
lost a bunch of offense. Drew fell from like 70 points to to 58. And next year he went on to score 101. Voracek dipped in this bad year. Everybody was volatile except for Couturier. He's been 70 to 80 points almost exclusively for those four years straight. Something was really weird this year. I think he paced for like 40 some odd points. He didn't play much, got hurt, shut him down for the season. Uh, and he's not he's not huge on the power play. Like his career high is 17 power play points. So he could still get 70 points without Giroux on the power play. There's no way you can spin it that a team without Giroux is better than a team with Giroux. So it, it sucks, and it, you obviously have to adjust him downwards. But uh, I don't know. I'm not as worried about Couturier because I do think he's a play driver. Like, he's you know, he's good. He's consistent. I think 60 I points mean, is probably more likely. Yeah. And, I mean, the good thing is, in, in terms of a draft, if you sort by points, no one's going to see Couturier because he only played under 30 games last year. So yeah. you can get him super, super late for even less. <laughs> 60 65 point guy which i think even if everything goes to crap again in philly he's probably going to get 65 points um but the one saving grace if he he said he couldn't spin it i'm gonna try on the power play it's probably going to be d'angelo to couturier to atkinson with JVR or somebody standing in front of the net. So I think Couturier and Tony D are going to yeah. see a lot of puck touches. That's the only bonus that I could see. I'm trying to help here. I'm trying to Hopefully help. Hopefully we get TK and Farabee on that power play. Farabee's going to be hurt for the first, you know, he's going to miss brand new coach Tortorella's training camp. He's going to miss the first few weeks of Tortorella's game. So when he does come back, he's going to be playing catch up a little bit. He's going to be learning on the fly. Uh, so, you know, adjust your expectations with Farabee. But I do think he might have one of the highest ceilings on this team going into next year. So this is going to be somebody that we're talking about on the waiver wire to start the year. But keep an eye out for Farabee. You know, I think I think he could excel. I would love to see him on power play one, line one, hopefully. But uh, your guess is as good as mine here. I, just, I have no idea what Torts is going to do. And... uh Kevin Hayes is also a name of a person that is playing on the Philadelphia Flyers this year. He is one of the hockey players of all time, yeah. <laughs> I actually don't hate Kevin Hayes. Uh, no, he, he's fine. Oh, he scores goals. He scores goals and yeah. um, plays shorthanded. You know, he's yeah. most likely going to play with like a Cam Atkinson or something like that. And I actually do think that they could be, you know, really good together. I would love to see a Joel Farabee, Kevin Hayes, Cam Atkinson line. That would that would be enjoyable. That sounds like a very fast line. I think Konechny is going to get drafted. He's a right wing, and right wings dry up later. And so, you know, I do think Konechny gets drafted. Dropped, probably, but he'll get drafted. Uh, the goalies, I'm not touching it, man. <laughs> Hart and Sandstrom. Yeah. I'd rather have the New Jersey goalies. Uh, I, I think Hart gets volume just because Sandstrom's going to be your backup based on the Ivan Fedotov situation. Uh, you know, he's apparently enlisted in the army in russia now so weird uh but i, I you know heart's gonna get volume so if you're in a, a volume heavy league i think there's very very late or z even zero g value to be had with heart i don't think it's gonna be good though you know i'm not interested i don't think the quality is gonna be there no nope unless it's a league where you have you carry three goalies like everybody has you know if you have a larger than a Sure, or a dynasty, you can hang on. He's still super young, but God. Are you still drafting Ivan Provorov? 
Is he draftable? I mean, he he oh, has man. the cats. Or is he? Or is like he going to be left kind out? Of... Is he going to be Ivan Provolone? Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, I think you know he kind of brings what uh, what Keandre Miller brings. It's going to be hits and blocks. You know, I don't think power plays there for him anymore. It's going to be a ton of shots against. So. You know, I, I almost forgot to bring him up, but I think there's other streamable guys like, you know, JVR. JVR can do stuff. Owen Tippett, we'll see what he's going to do. Nick Delorier is on our team now. Uh, so he'll hit. Scott Lawton is going to hit, you know, and score I mean, 30, 40, 50 points somewhere, depending on where he is. If you're in a Cats league, Risto is... Oh, yeah. He still is what he is, right? He's still fucking leading... All those categories. Doesn't Zach McEwen hate Nick Delorier? And they fight. And they're on the same line. They don't have to fight anymore. Yeah. Well, Zach McEwen fights everybody. Nick Delorier yes. fights everybody. So I'm sure they've crossed paths before. And now they're playing together. Finally. Oh. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks, Chuck Fletcher. Thanks for chucking it Thanks, up, man. buddy. Yeah. Really uh, in terms up. of their prospects. They drafted uh, Cutter Gauthier this year at five overall. Bobby Brink is injured. He's having hip surgery. Is going to miss significant time. We saw some Noah Cates last year. Tanner Lazinski just signed a, a two-year deal. We could see him. And then they got, like, Cam York. You know, we saw him last year. Uh, Tyson Forrester's on the up and up. Zade Wisdom. There's there's guys. It's a cool name. Hopefully. <laughs> that is a that cool is. It sounds like one of those fake Key and Peel football names. Uh, you know, uh, who's your best prospect though? Is Connor Bedard? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> time timestamp the episode. Philly gets Connor Bedard. They get lucky. You, in the it's eleven eleven right now, Rog. It is eleven eleven right it? now. I just made right, a wish. Let's not talk about it anymore. Holy shit! Maybe All Chuck right. Flesher is the smartest man alive. <laughs> under, I'll take you under. <laughs> <laughs> that was the easiest under I've ever had to take. All right, uh, Carolina. Let's move on to something interesting here. They finished yes, third in please. the league, ninth in goals for, uh, very middle of the pack, thirteenth on the power play ranking. Um, they added Brent Burns. They added Max Pacioretty, Dylan Coglin. Uh, they lost Vincent Trocheck. They lost D'Angelo. They lost Nino Niederreiter. The question, the biggest question to me here is the number two center. Barry Kakaniemi, like I know Rod Brindamore really likes Jared's, or Jordan Stahl. That could very well be your second line center right now. Uh, but uh, everybody kind of is projecting Kakaniemi as playing with like Sveshnikov and uh, I think Teravainen at this rate, maybe Jarvis. This two C is going to make or break a lot of a lot of fantasy seasons here because Sveshnikov. We've been waiting on him to break out since he entered the league, and uh, Patrietti kind of puts a stopper to that one. All right, uh, we're drafting just Carolina Hurricanes. Who's going first overall? A dumb question. <laughs> Sebastian Ajo. Well, I, I mean, that that's just the obvious answer. Yeah. I'm not even yeah. close. Yeah. And, and this is, well, I don't know. I guess the, the next tier of player is not, like, horrible, because I guess I would have patches there. But, yeah, it's, it's Sebastian Ajo number one for me. Perennial point per game player, Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of like that Shifley floor yeah. and Shifley ceiling, eighty point floor, eighty four point ceiling. Captain you know, of the team. There's got to be like, there's going to be another gear there. I think adding Pacioretty and Burns 
is a is a net gain for everybody i think that power play takes a huge step like burns is really good on the power play uh you know burns doesn't have to share a power play with uh eric carlson anymore so he could really let loose a little bit um sebastian aho good shots 28 power play points you've added patch ready and burns I, I have burns as number two yep yeah i think burns is gonna have a fucking year i really do i i'm, I'm going three like four or five years ago burns I really think he is going to have a fucking year. 55 um, points in San Jose last year. Yep. So, I mean, 60 uh, points is is almost a floor in Carolina. I mean, I had patches up next, but that's just me. Because um, I do think that he's going to be on that top line, likely, with Sebastian Ajo. I don't see why you wouldn't. The only thing I am worried about is if, you know... Patches has taken 400 shots, you know, attempting 400 shots, and Ajo is attempting 400 shots. What I mean, I, I feel like something's got to give. There, there sounds like there's something wrong with that math. You know what I mean? I don't think that there's going to be that many shots to go around. And then you also, you know, you want a Seth Jarvis over there who's, you know, learning and growing, but, you know, is going to get no fucking shots because his line mates are taking them all. Well, that is almost an argument for something I was thinking about is Pacioretty could fit in real well as your second line left wing. You know, move. Brendan Moore is maybe the biggest advocate of those duos. And Aho Taravainen is maybe the quintessential duo in the league. Like those two guys pass goal. You know, Taravainen is top 30 in goal or assists over the last five years. Sebastian Aho can score goals. I think that's a good duo. You have Svetch up there. Svetch finally breaks out. This is obviously just my pipe dream for fantasy here, but uh, you know, Pacioretty with Kakanyemi might he might you know instead of having two guys that are learning their way in the league, why not have a veteran like Pacioretty on the second line with Kakanyemi, kind of show him the ropes that I think it's it it could very well make sense. I like I like your I like your what's in your head here. I like <laughs> that idea a lot, but I would like to I I feel the need here to just uh, defend Svetch. Uh, a little bit because we all have the same narrative that he hasn't broken out. And I mean, dude had like 70 points, 30 goals and almost 200 hits. Yeah. So did uh, so, Nico Heischer without the hits. He's well, it's yeah, it's a t- without a bunch of stuff. Sure. He had one or two of those numbers, but Svetch is, is very good. He also wasn't drafted first overall, but um, he's I good. I know we want another gear. We want, uh, we want maybe, 80 points that's the only real improvement i i would think is reasonable to expect from svetch is is an improvement to be honest his ceiling to me is like jake gansel that's what i think we could get out of svetch at his height okay like i think that's what i want out of him i want him to be a gansel shots hits points i think he could get there he just needs top line he needs his Sidney crosby he is also like barely 22, so I guess we could give him a little time. Like, so yeah, he, he's breakout threshold, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I didn't realize he was still only 22. We've been talking about him like, what a disappointment. When's he gonna break out for <laughs> years now, right? Because he was, oh, yeah. he he was a man when he was like 18 years old, right? And he's well, uh, we we keep uh, yeah, drafting. He him. just turned 22. We keep drafting him in like the fourth or fifth round, and then we get a 70 point player. You know, 
it's a ticking time bomb. It's almost like guaranteed by everyone in the community that he's going to break out. It's just, it needs to happen. So maybe that's where the, the narrative, like, you know, quote unquote, disappointed in the guy all the time is just, we spend so much draft capital on him and he doesn't really pay that kind of dividends in cats league. Sure. Like shots and hits are good, but, uh, you know, 69 points in the third round, fourth round, it's hard to justify. That's not enough. That's not enough for sure. I think in the fifth round, fine. But uh, Burns, uh, the one thing I worry about him, you know, and I, I don't think anybody that says, oh, Burns is old, I don't think you should listen to him. Burns is old. He's played 99, 99% of games for like eight years in a row. I think he's missed like one game. He is durable. But he was seeing like 26 minutes in san jose and if you look at like uh jacob slavin who led carolina d-men he played just under 19 minutes even strength burns was seeing over 20 and a half so maybe he loses like a minute and a half or brenda moore is like okay now i got a workhorse put brent burns out there all the time so one of two things is going to happen there i think 20 minutes of effort 20, 20 Brindamore minutes are a lot different than 20 San Jose minutes in terms of oh. the effort he's going to put in as well, right? So, You're going to have to ask Rod's wife. I think, oh, I think uh, he's probably going to have less minutes and just way more effective minutes, right? Like, I don't really think Burnsy was, was skating his heart out for 26 minutes a night in San Jose over the last couple of years. Whereas if he's, if he's in Carolina, he's going to be right. Like this is his last winning shot, you know? So I, I, yeah, I said it earlier. I think he's, um, he's going to have the best season in a lot of years. Sources tell me winning is fun. So I think, uh, we're going to get a rejuvenated (laughs) Brent Burns here. Uh, Patch Reddy, we kind of talked about him. You know, the biggest factor for him is health. Like, does he play a full season? Does he play a majority of a season? Hanging around point per game since finding himself after his first year in Vegas. You know, I, I think Stone and Aho is a pretty fair comparison as far as, like, uh, skill. Uh, you might even call it a slight upgrade. I wouldn't fight you on it. And then you got, you know, as the third piece, it's either Stevenson or Seth Jarvis. There's a debate there, I'm sure, but uh, I'm not going to have it. Uh, I think Pacioretty could find himself right around point per game if he's playing top line if he's playing second line maybe 65 uh you know if everything goes smoothly obviously you're you're betting a lot on chemistry here uh Tavo Teravainen all I have for him is he's going to get assists probably not going to get I hits. mean I, I thought the point you brought up earlier about the the tandem of or the duo of him and Aho I do think is something that's you know kind of understated Everybody is so ready to put Seth Jarvis up there. And, and you know what? I, I, I get it. I mean, he's a, a great young player. But, man, you can't buy that sort of chemistry. You can't force it either. You know what I mean? These are two guys that not only play on the same line with each other all the time, but they see each other in the offseason. They work out together in the offseason. They hang out in the offseason. Like they are around yeah. each other all the time. Why would I don't understand why you would break that up? It makes zero sense. To yeah. Me. Rod Brindamore playing the stack game. I think it's smart. I think you could do it. Uh, streamers, you know, we talked about Kakanyami a little bit. Without Trocek, you kind of got to assume that Kakanyami gets uh, 2C. It's either him or Stall. So we'll, we'll see. I think training camp's going to be 
shedding some light on that one. Seth Jarvis, you know, if he is seeing that top line time, I think he's a good late round flyer. Uh, top power play is going to be tough. You got Svechnikov, Pacioretty, Teravainen, Burns, Aho, who make up that that unit on paper. So Sounds I'm, I'm right, very though, interested to it? see what kind of it does. Yeah, uh, yeah. Martin Nietzsche's man. Are we are we over this guy? Are we done? Yep. I think maybe. I, I, yeah. I said that a couple um, episodes ago. <laughs> and then Jordan Stahl. He's gonna he's gonna do Jordan Stahl stuff. So he's gonna be a streamer about that you your boy yeah. and might get absolutely nothing, but also might get four goals. You gonna stream Mister Per Sixty Andre Kasha? Yeah, uh, that's fun. Um, he'll be a good third liner. He always gets buried. I don't know. Maybe he sees Rod Brindamore cycles his lines all the time, so he could see a top line stint. Yeah, I think he'd be good there. I just uh, maybe this is the year. I mean, he's fourteen goals in fifty games, playing hard, like hardly any minutes at all. But he seems like the kind of guy he could play eighty-two games of like eighteen minutes and still have like seventeen goals. Yeah, he's a weird one. <laughs> he's a rate stat darling and just doesn't translate. You know, a lot of concussions in his career. It's it's tough. Goaltending, uh, Frederick Anderson. Great year. Antiranta pulled it together in the playoffs. I think they would have went a little bit further had they had Anderson, but um, this is a good... Yeah, Anderson's going to see volume, and he's going to be good for fantasy. It's goalies, yeah, man. I'm all in on Anderson. And, I mean, I think you brought it up uh, maybe last episode, or a few episodes back, actually, at this point, but the it was a very short-lived move towards tandems. Right, like everyone went towards tandems over all the COVID nonsense, and it, it seems like everyone is. A, a lot of teams are going back to workhorses. Like, people are not panicking to get. I mean, you know, you saw them bring in Halak in 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 New York. You see, like, they're not scrambling to get uh, to get these even tandems anymore, which which seemed to be the narrative for like a year or two. But to me, that does not seem to be such a panic as it was a couple of years ago. And Anderson is, is one of those few who's um, going to get the workload on great teams. And it seems like, you know, again, you got Vazzy, you got Shesterkin, you got Anderson. There's, there's quite a few guys who are on good teams like this, who are actually going to be probably getting more games than, than people thought they were going to get a couple of years ago. It's weird that the tandems that are left are like, I would put Colorado up there with Georgiev and Francis. Um, Detroit, you know, Huso and Nedeljkovic, I think that could very easily be a tandem. We talked about New Jersey already, Vanacek and Blackwood, um, and Boston still has one. But, uh, you know, we, we've even seen, like, Edmonton, they they were trying a tandem with Koskinen and Smith a few years back, and then Smith started to be your volume starter. Um, yeah, it's going to be a narrative. Yeah. I think it is shifting. I think it is the one that's the one that's frustrating is Colorado because you're just like all those wins and they're going to be cut in half. Yeah, it's frustrating. Either that or Georgiev gets a bunch of wins. So we'll see. In terms of prospects, they're uh, they're doing okay. Scott Morrow, Ryan Suzuki, Noel Gunler, Vili Kuvoinen, uh, Jack Drury. They got this guy Peter Kokachev that we saw a little bit of last year. Um, did Carolina have a first round pick this year? I can't remember. No. They did no. not. They traded it for sure. Absolutely for sure. All right, that's uh, that's Metro it. Part Two, guys. We got uh, what do we got next week? I don't even know. 
it's either the Atlantic or the Pacific. So that's that. I'll get back to you. But uh, yeah, man, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can find us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. You can join the Fantasy Hockey Discord. Uh, leave us a review if you're digging it. That'd be rad. And uh, we'll catch you next time, guys. Love you. Love you. Yeah.